Uh, I heard a great joke this week, and I think starting with laughter would be helpful for me, and I think for you. A dad was making pancakes for his young sons, aged five and three, and the boys began to argue about who would get the first pancake. The dad saw an opportunity to teach his boys a lesson and said, boys, if Jesus was here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. The older boy turned to his younger brother right away and said, okay, you be Jesus. (laughs) I heard that this week, and I I found it funny. Um, I felt like I should introduce myself, although John introduced me, although built me up bigger than maybe he should have. Although I did mention the part in my introduction here, I do mention the part where we felt like John and Lauren were supposed to become the youth pastors at Maple Ridge Community Church. So yeah, you're, you're welcome. Or I, or I apologize, whichever it is. Um, my name is Brian. Um, I'm married to Carly. She's over there. Um, she, she's been my wife for 16 and a half years. We've, we realized this year that we've known each other for 20 years which uh, I know you look at me and think, wow, you guys met when you were five or ten, but (laughs) no, we didn't. And uh, I'm the father of Kayla, who's my six-year-old, who I refer to a lot uh, when I host here, because nothing quite like having kids to help you understand things about God and his kingdom. Um, And Tehala, who's in the snuggle here with mom. And those are my adorable little daughters. My dreams come true, really. Um, I worship here at Jubilee. I used to, we used to worship as a family at Maple Ridge Community Church. I now work as a realtor. If you had told me that a few years ago, I would have thought you were crazy. I've been doing that for about five years. I've had lots of jobs in my life, uh, right from being a babysitter and a paper boy to working in a warehouse, managing a residence, washing dishes. I've done low jobs and lower jobs. Uh, I built one roof with Steve Gross, and Steve didn't invite me back. Uh, it's a good house, though. Taryn sold that house, so the roof had to be okay. Uh, Steve, Steve was in charge. I was just his grunt work, for those of you that know Steve. And uh, I've also been an associate pastor and a youth pastor, both at Maple Ridge Community Church. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian home, and I, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. <clears throat> I'm kind of watching my clock here so I don't get stuck too long. But I really felt it was important. I know some people here know me, but I definitely know a lot of people don't, or you might know me from hosting, but you don't really know who, who is this guy. And I think I felt God impress on my heart this week that if you know a little bit of my story, you'll hear what God wants to say through me this morning a little bit better. Um, I grew up in a non-Christian home, meaning we, we didn't go to church at least, and, um, but I had a very loving family. I had a mom and a dad and, and two younger brothers. I knew nothing of church or heaven or the Lord's Prayer, and that's going to be our passage later today. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. But I remember fearing, as a child, fearing the unknown of death in the afterlife. I had that, because I just didn't know. I had no context whatsoever. Uh, Even back in the late 70s and early 80s, I would say that we were really a post-church culture in many ways. At least where I was growing up, people didn't know about church. Many people didn't. Um, But then a friend, a Christian friend, invited me to camp. It was supposed to be the most fun camp ever. It was called Camp Furwood. So if you heard of that or not. It's just outside of Bellingham, just across, just south of the border. And I went to this camp, and I heard about Jesus and salvation and knowing where you would go when you died. And that fear inside of me about not knowing, this was like the answer to the question I, I was asking. It's like, this is the answer? This is it? That's all I have to do is accept Jesus? And yet I took it seriously, and I remember the day going out on a 
And Christian camps are, are fun and funny, and, and I credit my salvation to them, but it's funny, my counselor took me out on a pedal boat, so I don't know what would happen if I didn't say, yes, I'll accept Jesus. And she's like, okay, swim back. But uh, I all week had been learning about Jesus, and, and uh, on that pedal boat on Lake Whatcom, I accepted Jesus and invited him in, uh, told him that I believed that he lived for me and died for me, and that he sent his Holy Spirit to help me live, and, and I loved it, and it was amazing. Uh, but then I went home, and I had zero follow-up from that, I, meaning my Christian friend was really good to invite me to camp, and I had no blame for him. Actually, he's someone that Jonathan and I both know, so it's kind of neat to see how God works in all these things. I don't know if he's still pastoring. Is he in Cloverdale still? In Victoria now. There you go. Jonathan knows him better than me. Even though he's responsible for my salvation, I haven't kept up with him. Not really. Jesus is. But uh, he invited me to camp, but after that, I didn't know. And back then, camps weren't all helping people necessarily with follow-up the way they do a lot better now. And so I said a prayer, and I really believe something happened when I said that prayer. I really believe that the real Holy Spirit came inside of me. I just didn't make a lot of room for the Holy Spirit to grow. I didn't know any better. I had a King James Bible, which I could not read. It was my mom's Bible from when she was a kid, and it was, it was not the same English. I could, I could sound out the words, but that was about it. And I went back to camp for one or two more years, and every time I went to camp, I loved Jesus. And it's not that I didn't love Jesus when I wasn't at camp, but I just didn't know what to do. Um, fast forward a number of years, um, life went on. Where am I here? I don't want to miss the important stuff. Eight years later, I'm at UBC. Um, oh, where is it? There's lots more in between, but I'll save those stories for another day. Um, I met Carly, and I can't even find it in my notes. I'll just tell the story. Um, I met Carly, and she was... Uh, a Christian, and we found this. Inter- I found it really interesting because she knew a lot more about the Bible and Jesus than I learned at camp in three weeks in my entire life. Imagine that. She grew up in a Christian home, went to church every Sunday almost of her entire life. She knew a lot more than I did, and I learned, and, and I'd go with her family. I remember specifically one time at Christmas, so probably we'd known each other for just under a year, and her family was going to the, is it called the Singing Christmas Tree at Broadway Church in Vancouver? Is anyone nodding their head? Yeah. And uh, I think that was the first kind of church function I went to with her. And I went there, and the pastor, I don't know who they were, but they started, they started off and they welcomed people, and they started talking about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And here I am, a 20-years-old, 19-year-old uh, fraternity house manager, UBC student, not really giving God a lot of room in my life. And as soon as this pastor starts talking about God, I just start bawling uncontrollably, no, I didn't even know it was happening. I left, like I got out at least into the foyer in that really, really big church because it was crying and it felt good, but I had no idea what was happening and it was just very interesting. Every time after that that I ever went with her family to church, I would just start weeping. Uh, We'd come out here to Maple Ridge Community Church when Maple Ridge Community Church met um, behind Haney Sewing and, is that what it's called? Haney Sewing and Sound. Um, And uh, yeah, every time I would hear the, anything about Jesus, I would start weeping. What was that? I believe very clearly now, I didn't know then, is that when I had said that prayer at camp years before, I had given God access to my life. I prayed with a, this, the most sincere faith I knew how to at the time. I really was sincere. I, I believed in my heart that Jesus was who he, the Bible says he is and that he did what it says he did. And I gave him access to my life, but I didn't know more of what to do with it. But then every time I would get around the story, 
there was Holy Spirit would rise up inside of me and call to me for more and be like, there's more, there's more I have for you. There's a fuller life. That's how I see it now. At the time I didn't know, but I started to know. Getting to know Carly as, as we were uh, dating at the time. Again, I, I don't recommend any of you do what Carly did and date someone who's not really walking with God, but God worked through it for me. So sorry, parents, you can deal with that one later. Um, it's not, it's, it, it, there was hard parts to that story and I, I'm being funny, but I, there's, it's not the best path, but it worked for, in my case. And, um, I met Jesus. I, like, I had a real encounter with Jesus so much so that I, um, you know, all I wanted to listen to was Christian music. I had a real turning in my life. I had a real repentance. You could say, and we're going to get a lot into the word repentance later. Oh, my clock went away. Does that mean we're done? No. And, um, I turned a lot from, from a lot of things. I didn't do that very well at the time. I alienated a lot of people. If there's one regret I would have about how I came to really pursue God is I burned a lot of bridges that I thought that was what you were supposed to do. Again, didn't really have someone in my life telling me exactly how I should do it. And I probably, I, in hindsight now, talking it over with God, there was a lot of people I hurt in the way that I turned, but I wouldn't change it in the sense that I needed to follow Jesus. I needed to pursue uh, the one that created me and the one that my heart loves. Um, and God has been really faithful to help me restore a lot of those relationships with people that I hurt. Um, oh, man. Uh, I wanted to quit university. God wouldn't let me. So I finished university, but then I started volunteering at our church a lot. I joke, kind of, but it's kind of true, that I volunteered enough that eventually they felt they had to pay me. Um, so there's a, there's a model for any of you looking to aspire to Christian ministry. Just work for free, and, and we'll, in the church, we'll be okay with that. Um, eventually, they gave me a key, and then eventually, they hired me. I became a youth pastor. There's lots of stories in there, probably the hardest faith story in there. Uh, my mom fought a really long, hard battle with cancer, um, but God was faithful uh, in so many ways. I got to pray with her to receive Jesus days before she passed away and was holding her hand as she went. <sighs> Sorry she went to be with Jesus like a few days after I had prayed with her. Um, and I felt I needed to share that this morning. There's a family in our church that went through a really similar experience, not with a mother who didn't know Jesus, but someone in our church uh, just a week or so ago who got to hold their mom's hand into the kingdom. It's not the only way, but man, is it a beautiful way. And I was thinking of your relative too, Linda, and just praying for God's grace on that situation that that his timing and his will would be perfect and that peace would come. And if it's not a matter of her knowing Jesus, but if it's making peace, as John said, uh, that the right person would come along or even if it has to be an angel to come and sit down and hold her hand at the right time, that God would uh, take care of that. Um, in the coming through that season, Carly and I felt really strongly led by God to lay down our paid pastoral ministry position at Maple Ridge Community Church and encourage the leadership to hire Jonathan and Lauren Headley. Um, there you go. I had it in here. Uh, God led us out on a kind of a journey. We were, we sold our house, bought my dream car and went on an awesome tour of North America and then eventually flew to Israel and just were in a very interesting, hard to describe journey with God. Uh, we came home, were hired back on at the church for a season. And then eventually the dream of our marriage, uh, to have children came true. We'd been married for 10 years. Uh, we made especially my mother-in-law, wait a very long time to become a grandma. I'm sorry. <laughs> but truthfully, there's a really long, uh, painful, hard story behind all of that too. And that's another story for another day. But, but to say that we, 
to say that Kayla and Tehillah are, the, are long dreams come true, dreams that were long awaited for us and for many of our good friends that were praying with us is uh, amazing, and, and God was faithful to us uh, with bringing us children. Um, then I became a realtor. I work with my mother-in-law, Taryn. Uh, we had our other baby, and now we're helping to hear to plant Jubilee Church. I could have told you less. I could have told you more, but now you know a little bit about the guy that stands in front of you today, and I'll close in prayer. <clears throat> no, no. Um, let me read the scripture that we have from um, our series, Luke for Everyone. Um, I don't have that, so that's your slide for the day. The day. <laughs> Luke for everyone. Again, my apologies. I'm a little out of practice when it comes to preparing for this stuff, so... No slides. I figure if nothing else, you'll really appreciate Jonathan's slides afterwards. <laughs> and our interpreter will appreciate Jonathan's notes because you should see what I handed her this morning. Um, Luke 11, 1 to 4 uh, is where we are uh, this morning. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. If you have a different version, um, it's very similar. It's, it's a passage that many of us will be familiar with. If you're not, that's okay because like I said, there was a time that I was not familiar with this passage. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted or sins against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. I, I thank you very much for your word. I thank you for this congregation, Jubilee. Um, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit is saying to the church in this season, what your spirit is saying to this congregation in this season, And God, also very importantly, what you are saying to our households and to us as individuals. I pray everyone here will get something that draws them closer to you this morning. That everyone here will get something that will encourage their hearts in their journey of faith this morning. I pray I will communicate effectively that which you placed on my heart. And most importantly, I pray that we will all be very aware of your presence in this place and your kind voice that draws us to repentance. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Again, I I keep wanting to point at the slides that aren't there because I'm so used to being here and seeing Jonathan's slides. So if if I do that, that's what I'm doing. It just, you'll keep looking at the shoes. Um, I do have a big idea because I think that's like the rule in this church. You have to have a big idea. Um, I don't have three clean points, but I have a big idea. So we'll go through the big idea, a bunch of smaller ideas flowing from that. I hope to share some stories because I think stories are fun and important. Um, the first time I ever spoke in a church was at Maple Ridge Community Church, and I think I had a 28-point sermon. So <laughs> you're not exactly going to get that, but at the same time, I am who I am. So you can always voice your concerns with Jonathan later. My big idea that I see as, I, as I've really pushed into the Lord's Prayer um, in the last, I would say, two or three weeks, and, and really, really this week, I just feel like I've chewed on it a lot, thus the many points, is I feel like the Lord's Prayer is about healthy alignment, which changes how we come to him for help for our needs. I'm going to say it again because you don't have a slide. I feel the Lord's Prayer is about healthy alignment, which changes how we come to him for help 
for our needs. I feel like when we go through it, I hope that I'm able to help you see that it's about alignment with the body of Christ, alignment with the Father, alignment with heaven, alignment in worship, alignment with his kingdom and his will. And then in turn, if I get that far, but I strongly suspect I won't, it helps once we have that alignment, bringing our needs to him about our provision, our daily bread, our relationships, um, asking for forgiveness and being forgiven, and help with protection from temptation and the evil one is just a whole different approach to prayer once we're aligned with those things that we'll go through. Um, when I think of alignment, I think of kind of two main things come to mind, or two people come to mind. One is Craig Rudd. Where's Craig? Oh, there he is at the back. And one is my brother, Scott, who's a chiropractor. So first of all, chiropractic. When I think of alignment, my brother always talks about spinal alignment because he's a chiropractor. And he says that you can function when your spine's out of alignment. You just can't function at your best, at your optimum. Um, If you don't believe in chiropractic, sorry. Whatever. I believe in chiropractic because it's made a difference in my life. I've seen it make a difference for me. And um, and what my brother tells me is when it's simplified down, it's about aligning your spinal system. And that helps align your nervous system and all of that. The other story is on that big road trip where we sold my house, Carly and I sold our house, bought my dream car, and did this big road trip somewhere around Mississippi? Yeah, she's nodding her head yes, because it was that painful. We hit a pothole that had to make all these potholes we have right now look tiny. Like it was one heck of a pothole, and we were cruising along the interstate in Mississippi at a good speed, and we hit a pothole, and we had, we have a, we had a 2016 Mini Cooper, and it just didn't have much suspension, just not at all. So that means the brunt of that pothole was taken by the tire and the wheel, and Carly and I, our spines probably, to mix the metaphor and we continued our trip. We were in Mississippi. We still had to come all the way home. And by the time we got home, our car was making some funny noises. And I didn't know what it was. Actually, by the time we got to St. Catharines, Ontario, our car was making some funny noises. And I took it to them. And they said, oh, you need an oil change. Okay, that, make, that makes sense. That's why my car is noisy. Okay, my pretty new car. And uh, anyways, the noise didn't go away and got worse. But eventually, we just turned our music up louder. And we came towards home. And then I came in because I thought, I got to Alberta, and my cousin said, your tires look funny. That's okay. I've got a tire expert at home, Craig Rudd, owner of Circuit Tire. There you go. In Port Moody for all your tire needs. That might go on the podcast, Craig. Like, the whole world will know. Yeah, there we go. Didn't even tell him I was going to do that. I promise he didn't pay for that. I got to him, and I just kind of remember the look on his face, just like, what did you do? And my tires, my four tires, were all really, really messed up. And then when they looked closer, realized the one wheel was really, really bent. And then he took it next door for an alignment and realized the car was really, really, really out of alignment. And Carly and I, as soon as he told us that, we knew exactly what it was. We'd hit that pothole so hard in Mississippi that the whole car was thrown out of alignment. It still worked as a car. We still got home all the way from Mississippi to Maple Ridge. But it was messed up, and it was costly for me, really costly. Needed to buy, Craig gave me a fantastic deal on tires. Go, go see him, but it still cost me money for new tires and alignment and a fixed wheel. So that to say that alignment, um, I guess it isn't necessary, but it's important for working at your best, and uh, the cost of not being alignment can be very, very high. Um, A quick aside regarding translations, paraphrases, and the two places we see this prayer found in the Bible. Uh, It's here in Luke 11. It's also in Matthew 6 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. 
Um, in your Bibles, if you have your Bibles this morning, or if you've read this, or you go home and read it later, <clears throat> sometimes in the book of Luke, uh, it, the, what we think of as the Lord's Prayer, if you're familiar with it, looks a little bit different in the book of Luke. Sometimes it doesn't say, Our Father in heaven. It just says, Father. Sometimes it doesn't mention, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It just says, Your kingdom come. Um, but if you look in the footnotes, in most Bibles, even in Luke, it says, those are in some of the early manuscripts and not in others. So Luke kind of put, it's put in Luke one way by the translators. It's put in Matthew another way by the translators. So basically all that to say, I'm not, I'm not like a PhD Bible translator, early text expert. So for the sake of this morning, I'm going to use it. Oh, where did I put it? I'm going to, I'm going to refer to it as you've probably heard it before. Not quite in old King James, but maybe new King James. So like this. Again, I just want to say, we're going to, I'm going to read this a few times over us. When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's how we're going to go with it this morning. Um. <laughs> I remember hearing these verses quoted at weddings and funerals as someone who didn't uh, grow up in the church as when I would hear them. And a lot of times the pastor would say, and then I would do this too. Uh, and they would, I did this later when I became a pastor. I think it's a rule of being a pastor. And as our Lord taught us to pray, and then every, you kind of go slow, and then everyone says, our Father. And then you all say it together. But when I was sitting there, not knowing at all, and just at a funeral or something, I would just kind of do the Mr. Bean thing. Like, have you ever seen the skit with Mr. Bean trying to pretend how he knows what's happening in church? I would just... And I would try to mumble when the other people were praying because it seemed everybody in the whole world knew this prayer except me. Um, It reminds me of another story I heard this week, which is funny, of a four-year-old boy reciting the Lord's Prayer as he understood it. And he said, Our Father who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. That was about what I was hearing going to uh, funerals and weddings as a child. Um, In verse 1, the kind of pretext to the Lord's Prayer is about teaching us how to pray. And uh, Richard Foster, in his seminal work, Celebration of Discipline, says this uh, about the verse that says, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Richard Foster says this, Real prayer is something that we learn. The disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. They had prayed all their lives, and yet something about the quality and quantity of Jesus' praying caused them to see how little they knew about prayer. If their praying was to make any difference on the human scene, there were some things that they needed to learn. And Richard Foster says it was liberating for him to understand that prayer involved a learning process. Uh, He was set free to question, to experiment, and even to fail, for he knew in regards to prayer, he was only learning. Um, I think it's the same for us. I think what the, that we, if the disciples needed to learn, if Richard Foster, one of the great ri- Christian writers, needed to learn how to pray, the great thing is we can look at this and learn a lot about prayer. Um, prayer is how we communicate with God, and, and he's the one that created us. It will evolve over time. Your prayer life will change. Um, my communication when I first met God sounded a lot different than how it sounds now, and that's totally okay. My how I, my two-year-old communicates with me compared to how my six-year-old communicates with me is totally different, and that's okay. I don't think, man, Tehla, why don't you 
useful words. Actually, communication is hard for her sometimes, and I, ta- I choose to take more time to try to help her understand how to communicate with me. It's, I think the onus is actually on the father. Um, but we will learn how to pray in the relation, as the relationship gets deeper and as we mature in our relationship with God. I'd also say this. I'd say God can take what you can dish out from the type of prayers that involve snot flying or super emotional, angry praying. Um, if you don't know how to, if verses come to your mind and you don't know where the chapter and verse is, it's okay. God can take it. Uh, Matt, in the precursor to the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, it says God already knows what you're going to say. So just, just don't worry about those details. Just pour out your heart to God. Um, Jesus lays out this model framework for us, and I love it. In digging into this in this few weeks, um, I found it was a great alignment tool for me, and I hope it'll be that way for the rest of us as well. Um, first of all, alignment to the body of Christ. Oh, wow, this is taking longer than I thought. Okay, maybe we'll do one point this morning. That's a good point, though. Um, in most of the manuscripts that you read, if you, if you see, it says, Our Father. The, the prayer starts, Our Father who art in heaven. Um, and I, it just really struck me from the very beginning of pushing into this, this idea of why did Jesus pray, Our Father? Why didn't he just say, My Father? Um, what Was he trying to be inclusive? What, what was with that? Um, I think very much the idea is, yes, he is my father, just as much as he was Jesus' father, that we, can, we, we are to relate to God on a personal level. But again, thinking of it as children coming to a father, very much, my six-year-old can't hear this right now. When my six-year-old comes to me with her needs, she normally really selfish. <laughs> like, and, and it's a really good model for me because it reminds me a lot of times when I come to God, I really, I first come to God with my selfish requests. And I think the idea of our father, what I get from it and what I think God spoke to my heart about it is that it reminds us that we're part of something bigger. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us and care for our needs individually. He does very much more than anyone in the entire universe. He cares for your needs individually, personally, intimately. But you're also part of something bigger. And that's actually encouraging and that's important. Um, I, we are living in a time and a day where for the most part, and there's always a counterbalance to these things, but for the most part, denominational walls have, are falling down. I would say historic things are happening in our day. I've heard, I, and I'm one of the, I'm not super educated about the Catholic Church, but I heard a story a few months ago and I loved it, that our current, not our, I don't know, the current Pope is done, has done a ton of meetings with Protestant Christians in the last year where he has gotten together with groups of Christians. It's the Pope. He could probably have a room of like thousands, but he's done it intimately because he wants relationship. I believe in meetings of like 50 to 100 selected leaders, but he's done many of these meetings where he will ask for forgiveness and repent for some of the hurts that the Catholics have caused to the Protestants and ask Catholic lead, sorry, Protestant leaders to forgive him on behalf of the Catholic Church, and looked for reconciliation and healing and how we could work together as the church moving forward. I don't know all what to do with that. All I know is when I hear that, things in my spirit get excited and think, wow, that there is a bigger church than sometimes we see in our small, narrow areas. I have friends who are um, a mentor of mine, actually, who God has really led him to learn a lot about the Eastern Orthodox Church. I remember the first time I learned anything about the Eastern Orthodox Church when I was on a missions trip in Estonia and I walked into the, one of their churches. An Eastern Orthodox Church does not look like this <laughs> inside. But that's amazing. But at the time, I was freaked out. I was like, this is crazy. Like, they're worshiping paintings. I don't understand. This is so weird. But there's some power in what they do and there's reasons for what they do. And, and any of us, 
when we, whether it's us coming to God in prayer on our own or as a church movement, we, can ha- we have blind spots. We all have paradigms, and we see certain things clearly, but if we think we have the whole, all of theology wrapped up and we've got it understood as either as an individual or a family or as a church movement, watch out. <laughs> we don't have it all figured out. God doesn't like to be put in boxes. There's lots of good stories about that in the Bible. Well, maybe they're not good stories. We, anyways, I think there's really something amazing about our Father and uh, how it aligns us with the bigger body of Christ. I have more on that, but we'll skip it for the sake of getting in. At least one more point. Um, alignment with the Father. Um, so from our to Father. That's right, we're going word by word. Um, the thing, I'm not your pastor. We would never finish the book of Luke. My two-year-old might be done by the time she retires. Um, but I think there's a key to coming as a child. Come to the safe Father who is good and who loves you. Um, I have a really good earthly father, but he's not perfect, and my heavenly father is better. I like to think that I'm a decent earthly father myself, but I know that the heavenly father is a better father than me for my kids. Um, Really importantly, if I didn't get to anything else, I wanted to get to this this morning. Um, I know for a fact that some of us in this room didn't have good fathers, or you've had bad father experiences. God wants to be your good, safe father. If you hear that this morning, if, that, if that's you and you didn't have a good father thing, I, heard a, I went to a Father Heart of God conference once, and this guy said, if we could all just have a greater revelation of the love of the Father every day, our life would be a lot better and a lot different. Um, so today, for someone that needs to know that, God wants to break off, I think we sang about this earlier, because it came up in the song and I started crying like a baby again. God wants to break off an orphan spirit off of some of us in here today. Um, If you feel like you don't belong or you never have or you never will, that's not true. You do belong. You are an accepted and loved son. You're an accepted and loved daughter. Um, I pray that a spirit of adoption would come now in Jesus' name, uh, now and in our response time later. A spirit of adoption that would return the heart of the father to the children and the children to the father. Matthew 6, 8 says, your father knows what you need before you even ask. Don't, don't worry about your words. Come to him in intimacy. Um, number three, alignment with heaven. When you pray, say, our father in heaven. Why? Heaven is where God is. It's where we're going. And it's where Jesus is seated and preparing a place for us. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 2 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. A big part, I think, of the Lord's Prayer is changing where we are coming to the things that we're going to pray about, how we come to them. And that alignment of a heavenly perspective changes everything. And we're going to get back to that in one minute because I think I'm making it. Yeah. Well, no, but we'll get there. Um, Alignment in worship. Actually, I'm going to skip that one altogether. That's another good sermon for another day. Worship's so important. I never hear God better. I never align with the heart of God better than when I'm in a place of worship or an attitude of worship. Often in our culture, in our Protestant culture, it's not looking at paintings as much or icons, but it's coming to God in a place of worship through music as we do. And all of a sudden, my focus shifts and, and the truth that God is way bigger than my problems becomes real. The truth that God is way better than I thought he was. The truth that God is so good and that he's never stuck and that he's for me and not against me. 
that is aligned when I come into the place of worship. Um, but the part that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if, if there's anything, I've I got to get this out. Um, Bill Johnson, a pastor from Redding, California, uh, says in his book, When Heaven Invades Earth, um, about this idea that God's, we, we are to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Actually, I'll get to it in one second. The point being is that um, how do we understand about the kingdom? G- when Jesus began to preach in his earthly ministry, the first things he said was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, to break that down needs another Sunday, but quickly, the idea of repentance is about changing the way that we think. It is about turning from wickedness, like when I finally decided to walk with God and turned away from some things rather abruptly. But it's not only repentance to be saved. It doesn't say that here. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when we're going through, John's going through the list of prayers of the people or whoever's going through it that day, there are kingdom answers for all those things. But if we don't see with eyes of the kingdom, it's hard to pray from a place of power and of faith. Instead, we pray from a place of kind of weakness, but not, not the good kind of weakness. We pray almost in an impotent way. Um, and actually, I'll quote Richard Foster again there because that's normally a good, safe quote. Uh, Richard Foster says this as he studied prayer. Uh, again, in his, work, uh, his book, Celebration of Discipline. Perhaps the most astonishing characteristic of Jesus praying is that when he prayed for others, he never concluded by saying, if it be thy will. Nor did the apostles or prophets when they were praying for others. They obviously believed that they knew the will of God, what the will of God was before they prayed the prayer of faith. They were so immersed in the Holy Spirit that when they encountered a specific situation, they knew what should be done. Their prayer was so positive that it often took the form of a direct authoritative command. Walk, be well, stand up. Richard says, I saw that when praying, I saw that when praying for others, there was evidently no room for, to be indecisive, tentative, half-hoping. There was no room for if it is your will type of prayers. Um, we don't get there overnight. We don't get to the point where we pray with absolute boldness and see the kingdom. How, how do you see the kingdom that Jesus says the kingdom is at hand or the kingdom is near? But it's, we also know the kingdom is here, but it's not yet. There's still sickness on earth. There's still, there's still poverty on earth. There's still lots of challenges. Yet his, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. It's right there. It's within reach. Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 3, the only way to see the kingdom is to be born again. Second uh, Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. Hey, that's me. I thought I'd There you go. And we're done. No, no, I won't ignore it. I'm, I'm going to land and we'll, whatever, we'll trust Jesus to do the rest. He, but I'm going to read a few verses that kind of hit this point home. Um, now faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by faith, not by sight. And Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, When we come to the place of prayer, we need to be able to see with kingdom eyes. If we're to call down things to the earth that are as they are in heaven. So a lot of times if I'm praying, when I prayed for my mom who is ill with cancer, or when I pray for almost anything to do with sickness, Personally, I have a firm belief that the Bible teaches that there is no sickness in heaven. 
So I don't, I don't have a theology that says God gives you sickness to teach you a lesson or make you better, because I would never do that to my kids. I don't think that's what a good father does. I firmly believe sickness is a result of sin in a fallen world, that we live in an enemy that hates you, hates me, hates the world. Um, so if I look to heaven and I see no sickness, and if I think of on earth as it is in heaven, I call down the fact that in heaven there is no sickness. And Lord, I don't understand fully how your kingdom is at hand, and it's here, but it's not. But I'm, I'm going to go past my understanding, and I'm going to lay hands on people, lay hands on the sick, as you command me to in Scripture, and I'm going to say, on earth as it is in heaven, will you heal my mom? On earth as it is in heaven, will you break her unbelief that I can speak to her about you? And I'll call those things down. I really... I think I'm going to finish with quickly the story that preceded our text. Um, and it's in Luke 10. Because I think context is important. The Lord's Prayer in the book of Matthew is led in. Jesus is talking about Pharisees who use lots and hypocrites who use lots of words in their prayers and they pray a certain way. And, and Jesus says, that's not what it's about. So if you're looking in Matthew, that's the important, an important thing to look at. But in Luke... The preceding text to the Lord's Prayer is the story of Mary and Martha. Quickly, and then we'll close. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. Um, sorry, Luke ten thirty-eight to 42. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or in fact, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Um, I can be guilty of this all the time, so don't hear this in me saying to you, the church, Say, hear, hear me calling to my own heart as well. I've heard it said by people, I don't know how, but as Christians we can say, that person's so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I think if you're truly heavenly minded, you will do good on the earth. And Jesus clearly, in, in highlighting that Martha, sorry, Mary was the one willing to sit at his feet and listen, and to hear teachings about the kingdom, to focus her mind on the things of the kingdom, Jesus said that uh, few things are needed, indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. So if that's the context that leads into the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke, I think a lot of what we need to see in the Lord's Prayer in the book of Luke is that God's calling us to see the kingdom and to pray from that place. And then when we get to, and we're not going to do it today, our daily bread, when we get to uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, that's about right relationship. And when we get to uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, there's real challenges. There's real, there's spiritual warfare. The Bible is clear. But God, God has many foes, but no equal. Uh, When we come impressed not intentionally, but when we come impressed with the works of the devil, and that's how we start our prayer, our prayer will be, my prayer will be pretty impotent and weak. When we, when we magnify the Lord by coming to him and understanding we're part of a bigger body, our Father, when we come as a child knowing that we're loved children and we pray to the Father, when we come from a heavenly perspective, when we come from a kingdom perspective, when we come in worship, we, we pray differently and... I think God meets us there as we pray for us and the needs around us.
want to see if there's anything else you just need. And if not, um, we'll pray. I have so many good stories about forgiveness. Um, no. Let's pray. Jesus, um, I thank you for uh, the fact that you would teach us how to pray. And maybe I've modeled that you can't teach someone how to pray in 35 and a half minutes. But Lord, uh, it takes a lifetime. And Lord, we believe that as we connect with you, uh, as we connect our hearts to you and come into alignment with you and the body of Christ, understand that we pray from heaven to earth, uh, that we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. The things that we pray for uh, seem less big in our eyes and you are magnified. So Lord, this morning as, um, as we respond in, in worship and communion and there'll be prayer teams available, Lord, as we do that, my, my sincere heart is that everybody here would find something to respond to you in. So Lord, even right now, I pray for ears to hear. Um, if you would remind every one of us here one thing that we could take to you in prayer, one thing that um, would remind us of your goodness, remind us of uh, who we are and who you are, God, that then when we take our needs to, in prayer, uh, we would come with a greater faith and greater love. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and uh, yeah, we just thank you for your presence in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.